Welcome to Modern Musings, Conversations with the Maiden, Mother, and Crone, where we look at ourselves and our world through the lens of the 21st century. Hi, and welcome back to this bonus episode of Modern Musings. I'm your host, Cindy Murray, and I'm here with Kristen Hessler and Amber Garvin. Hello. Hey. And we are doing this bonus episode to cover our final two chapters in our read of Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And so we are on chapters nine and ten. I can't believe we're finally at the end of this book. Finally. This is Yay. it's a really long book, and this is the second time I've read it. So um, about a year ago, I think, was when I finished this book before. So I'm uh, really excited to cover these last two chapters because this is where all of the stuff uh, really starts kind of coming together and making sense, it, although a lot of it made sense all along. If you are just now joining us and this is your first episode no sweat. That's a, you can join us at any time and listen in. I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it, but if you'd really like to, I do encourage you to go back and check out those earlier episodes because there's a lot of information there and, um, it'll, it'll kind of help you understand where we're going with some of these things. And we'll, we'll probably refer to some of those earlier chapters, the topics that we covered there. So, um, but you can still get a lot out of it just by um, listening only to this episode. Um, this chapter, chapter nine, um, was about your inner purpose. And um, that's something people have been struggling with um, from time immemorial. He, he starts out by saying that as soon as you rise above mere survival, the question of meaning and purpose becomes of paramount importance in your life. And I, I can say that's, that's probably true. I think all humans have, have gone through that thought process. What is the purpose of my life? What is my life's purpose? And, um, even, you know, when we talked about, um, Kristen had a blog, I think about, um, artificial intelligence and, and often when that is portrayed in, um, science fiction, that is, that is the AI's struggle is what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Or, or its purpose becomes at odds with human's purpose or whatever. So it, it's a constant struggle to, to reach that. And, and there is no substitute for finding your true purpose. You can, you know, kind of enjoy your life on some levels, but there's always this underlying um, kind of question about what is your purpose. And Tully tells us that you you actually have an inner purpose and an outer purpose. And the trick is to make sure that your outer purpose is aligned with your inner purpose. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how many of us that that is true for, but let's talk about what your inner purpose is. Um, according to Eckhart Tolle, your inner purpose is to awaken, to be aware. And I think that's one of the things that we're um, learning in this book is what that awareness is. And, and according to him, awareness is presence being conscious without thought, without labeling things, without, um, putting a spin on it or, or whatever, judging. or judging yeah. or whatever. You're just aware of what is you're in the moment, um, without thinking about the future, the past or anything else. And you cannot make yourself awaken. If you try then you wind up living up to an image that you or other people have of you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and if you think about that, you know, I want to be an awakened human being. And then immediately you imagine a guru. What you think or, they look like. Yes. And what how they, they act. And how they act. And you're trying to live into that image. And that is, um, 
that's not authentic. That's just your ego. It is defining it's your, itself. It is. It's it's your identifying with this this form. And real awakening actually happens without thought. And he says, by grace, without doing anything. And I thought that was kind of interesting because you can't make yourself awaken, but you can suddenly realize that you are awakening. And he, he says, actually, that um, if you're reading this book which I did, and something in you responds to it, then your awakening has begun. Okay? Yeah, okay. he mentions that in the first chapter, too. Oh, yes, he did. I believe you're right. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. And um, and it, he said, if you just don't get it or this book is meaningless, then it has not started for you. If, you're, if you read this book and you're just going, what the heck is he talking about? or this is stupid, or I don't believe any of this, then it probably has not happened for you. Um, but I, I can say that this book, I did struggle with it at the, at the first, I was just like, man, this guy is just talking and talking and talking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, it, it felt very wordy to me. I, I agreed with a lot of what he said, but it felt very wordy to me. But so it really wasn't until I got to these final chapters that I started going, whoa. And so he, you know, he says that that means that your awakening has begun. And um, for some, the awakening happens and they suddenly become aware of the thoughts that they habitually think. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to detour off of him for a second and talk about uh, our one little word process mm-hmm. because one of the things that we talk about is the the stories we tell ourselves. Right. And the that is part of the awakening process is when you realize that you are telling yourself these stories, these things mm-hmm. that are not true. These, gaslighting yourself. You're gaslighting or- yourself or you've... You've created the scenario in your head of what life is supposed to be like or what, um, how someone wronged you, how somebody wronged you or what, you know, just any of these things that, that you live through in your life and you're constantly replaying these things to yourself and, and you base your actions and your life on these stories that you've told yourself. I am this way because this happened or that person did this or, um, because I'm fat or because I'm ugly or because I'm fat. Oh, I said fat, didn't I? (laughs) Uh, Well, that's what, you know, that's what I tell myself all the time. Um, because I grew up poor or whatever. If you, if you are using those things, you tell those things to yourself, then, um, those are the stories that you tell yourself. And, once you are able to see that you're telling yourself these things, that is a sort of awakening that, and that's what he's talking about. For some people, that's when they start to awaken. They can suddenly become aware of those thoughts and, um, and they habitually think them. And, and we're talking about persistent negative thoughts. Um, and they've, they've been, identifying with them, you know, their whole lives. And once you realize that it's just a thought that I've identified with, then you are, are becoming aware. And you can, once you know that you're telling yourself those things, you can disidentify from those things. Um, one of the examples that he gives, and this one was a hard one for me a few years ago. Um, because a lot of uh, mothers, particularly stay-at-home moms, um, they spend their whole lives raising their children. And they they think that their purpose of their life is to raise their children. But then what happens when the kids are grown and move out? And maybe they don't even listen to you anymore or whatever. You know, what is your purpose then? So, um, really you're just identifying with that, um, 
persona. It, you know, it's part of the ego finding a way to identify itself and you aren't awakened if that's what you're still doing. So, you know, how that can't be your purpose because it, it doesn't last. It's, it's just a, another form. So he's, he talks about, um, if you, if you aren't in alignment with your primary purpose and he, and we'll, I'll talk about that in a moment, then everything that you, every purpose you come up with, even if it's, um, you know, creating heaven on earth or serving such and such charity or raising your children, it will always be of the ego or it will be destroyed by time. It, it cannot hold up past time. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you ignore your inner purpose, even if it, even if it looks like it's spiritual, your outer purpose will creep into how you do things and that will become corrupted as well. So even if your, your purpose that you think that you is your purpose, even if it is spiritual in nature, it will eventually become corrupted or time will cause it to, to go away. So, you know, it's like the, the saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You can have all these good intentions for this purpose of your life, but unless it is aligned with your inner, inner purpose, mm -hmm. it still is part of the ego. I, I thought that was really interesting because I know, um, you know, a lot of people say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do all this for this charity, but what they're really seeking out of contributing to that charity is the Some recognition, huh? Yeah. Some validation, the validation. Yeah. And so, so there's a, it's uh, right that they did something good with their lives before yes, they died. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it really has nothing to do with that. So the whole point of your inner purpose is not that your aims or your actions are primary, but that your state of consciousness from where they come. So that, let me say that again. So he says this. So the whole point of your inner purpose is not that your aims or your actions are primary. Your inner purpose is not that your actions or aims are primary but that the state of consciousness out of which they come, that is what your primary purpose is. So whenever you are uh, being in the moment, you know, like, um, and we've talked about this a lot, being fully present. Um, if you are fully present when you are doing whatever it is, no matter how mundane it is, um, you negate time. And, and this is one of the things he talks about uh, negating time because you're not, if you're fully present, you're not thinking about what's going to happen next. You're not thinking about what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you're negating time. And when you negate time, you can negate the ego because there is no ego in fully doing what you're doing right now. Um, because you're not thinking about what it's going to get you mm -hmm. and you're not going to think about or what you'd rather be, doing. what you'd rather be doing or any of that. So whatever you do, you are doing, you do it exceptionally well because the doing is the focal point of your attention. Um, you know, think about painters with, um, great artists when they are painting, they're not thinking about how they're going to sell the painting. They're not thinking about the last painting that they did. They are looking at this piece of artwork and just fully immersed in painting this 
portrait. Writer's the same way. Like you get writer's block when you're trying to fulfill a deadline or your publisher saying you need to, you know, write a story that fits this criteria by this certain time. Right. Then that's when you stop channeling that creativity. Yes, you can only be creative if you're in the moment. Mm-hmm. Only in the moment. Ooh, there's something about that. And I'm going to get to that. Yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so he's talking about whenever, whatever you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Give it your full attention because then you are fully in that. And that negates time. It negates the ego Um, And he's talking about why your inner purpose is to be present. That is your inner purpose, to be fully present, to be fully engaged in whatever it is you're doing and thus negate time. Your outer purpose involves the future and cannot exist without time. So then you have to wonder, you know, how do you make them work together? Because your outer purpose does involve time. Um, but he says your that outer purpose is always the secondary part of it. The primary is to be present. And if you become anxious or stressed while fulfilling your out of pur- your outer purpose, then your outer purpose has taken over. It has become primary. And you have just lost sight of your inner purpose. You've turned away from the present moment because you're stressed. Stressed is, stress is always about the future. Mm-hmm. Always. You're worried mm-hmm. about what's going or to happen. Or the past. Or the past. And beating um, yourself up about something you said Beating yourself up, yes. So, um, and, and what has happened is, is you've actually thought that something else was more important than being in the moment. You forgot your main purpose, to be here now fully present in whatever you're doing. Now, this doesn't, he, he goes on to talk about success. And I thought this was really interesting because we talked about, you know, you can't, you can't go work for the charity expecting to be successful or whatever, because that comes from the ego. And he also says, and this, I'm going to tell you, this comes from something else that I've talked about too. You cannot become successful. There is no such thing as I'm going to be successful. You can only be successful. It's not a future thing. Um, what is actual success? That is providing quality in what you do. Success is a successful present moment. Success is never a future event. And the stress and negativity that you put yourself through trying to become successful will make you miserable the whole time you're doing it. The success itself is not worth being miserable. The end does not justify the means because the means did not contribute to human happiness then neither will the end. So working yourself to death at a miserable job cannot be in alignment with your inner purpose. Right, because all that's going to happen is you're going to be in the future looking back and thinking that you wasted time. You wasted time or you're sitting there, I've got to get this goal. I got to work harder so I can make more money chasing I, the next dream. Chasing the next dream whatever, and you're not fully giving to what is in the current moment. And when you realize your entire worth your entire life's journey is the step you're taking this very moment, what you are doing right now, then you reconcile your outer and inner purpose that they become the same because there's always only this step. And so you give your fullest attention and, and it's the step that is important, not the destination. The destination is always secondary. Going on a trip. Half the trip 
is getting there, right? The journey. The yeah. journey. Half the journey is getting there. Um, that's a that's an age old saying. It's not about the destination, but the journey. It yeah. is. And, you know, uh, school, going to school is not about the graduation. The school is about all the learning that you've done in that process of going to school. And living your inner purpose is about what you are doing right now and being fully present in the moment and not worrying about what the future holds or whatever. And that one, that this whole, you know, it always goes back to the the topic of now, which um, if you may remember, I chose it as my word of the year because of of reading this book because it just really resonated with me. And, and he talks about a lot of, of different things with that, the finding your inner purpose and stuff. Um, when he starts talking about outer purpose and then he says it, it actually, uh, varies from person to person and it's temporary. And I can, I can attest to the fact that I, I think that's true. Um, it's subject to time and it's always eventually replaced, by some other purpose, your, your outer purpose changes throughout your life. Um, just based on your circumstances, you know, I, I spent many, many years, the, the perp, the outer purpose of my life was to raise my children. And then the outer purpose of my life was to provide vacations for people, uh, you know, to help them provide the best vacation they could get or whatever. Um, my, my current, I feel like outer purpose is to share my voice through this podcast. And I try to fully be here 100% in the present moment, whenever I'm working on this, because I feel like I'm fulfilling part of my purpose in, in doing that. And when you can, um, find your outer find your inner purpose, then you can often find your outer purpose as well. Um, in fact, he says that you can't discover what is right for you on an external level, your outer purpose, until you discover what works, what is compatible with your awakened consciousness. And you may have to find out what's not right, what no longer works, what is incompatible with your inner purpose. And I think that's what happened to me. And I think that's why this book resonated so much with me because, um, you in, did ask for clarity. I did. I asked for clarity, uh, in 2020. And then, um, and I spent, instead of spending the year finding out what was important to me, I found out what was not important to me. And thus discovered what was important. When you to me. think about it, if you think about clarity, if your life is muddled down, if you pour it through a filter, you're removing the things you're removing that are all the dirt, the junk, important, the whatever the 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 things the contaminants, that are not important, the contaminants, yeah, contaminants. And and you know if if you filter it enough, you come up with clear water, and or whatever you know. And so and and that really was what that year was for me was. Um, filtering out all the things that I thought were not important. And, uh, and some of that was just by dealing with things that I didn't want to be important, but they really were important, like taking care of my mother, um, being home and taking care of the health of my family and, and things like that. And so in, finding that outer purpose, I figured out what wasn't working in my life. And I really was able to, um, pare down a lot of things and go, why am I doing this? This is not important to me anymore, but I was still doing things that, um, maybe they were important to me a long time ago and not so much now, you know, or whatever. So, um, I, I thought that was kind of enlightening there. And then um, when the ego is no longer running your life, once you once you kind of figure out uh, you've started to awaken and your ego is not running your life anymore, 
then you became you become able to live with uncertainty. That was interesting as well. Um, and when you live with uncertainty, then infinite possibilities open up in your life. And I don't know, um, that, that kind of happened with me too, because COVID caused a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still taking an effect in my life. I still have a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, my husband's job, what's the future going to hold, what, you know, all these things. And so, but I, I've kind of, through being able to live in the now, I've kind of been learned to tolerate that uncertainty. And, and this was a, another interesting thing that somebody else, and I can't remember if this was part of Tolly's book, because it's been a while since I remember reading it. But somebody was talking about chronic pain and how once you learn to live with the pain, once you learn to accept the fact that the pain is going to be there, mm -hmm. then the pain doesn't really bother you that much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you just kind of accept it. And, and that was the way that the uncertainty was. You know, at first you know, this COVID stuff made me very nervous. And, you know, my husband's part-time work made me nervous. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we, I don't want to be poor again. I don't want to, you know, what are we going to do if you lose your job? That kind of thing. And eventually I just kind of learned to say, well, whatever happens will happen and we'll get through it. And that's, mm -hmm. once I accepted that, accepted the fact that I can't know what's right. going to happen. Yeah. So it, this is a really brutal like example, but think about, um, if you're in a car wreck, right? Mm -hmm. You see that crash that's imminent. Like yes. you, you are about to run into the vehicle in front of you. If you tense up, you are going to have a lot more, more injury. Yes. yes. You're going to have more injury to your body. But if you are, not tense then if your body is it. able to roll with the punch yes, or yes. flow with the wave yes and um you're more fluid like you don't sustain as much of an injury that's absolutely true yes and and um tacitus uh he quotes tacitus here and he says the desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. Oh, and yeah. That is like crazy. Playing it safe. Yeah, yeah. If you're playing it safe, you won't take you, the risk. You can't explore. You can't take the risk. You can't make the discovery. Um, Columbus sailed the seven seas, you know? Um, he, I mean, really, you know, yeah. he, he took the risk. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the. The Nordic explorers that that came to America, far be, the people who crossed the Bering Strait, the people to who populate. landed on the moon, yes, just going into a rocket into space. You cannot do yeah. anything like that without letting go of that desire for safety, and that and that desire for safety is part of the ego. The ego wants to play things safe. The ego wants to be safe to protect its own mm -hmm. existence. Prevent injury or yes, yes. pain and um, so it, it when uncertainty uncertainty let's you know i want if if you're living with uncertainty i don't know if my husband's gonna have his job next week much less next month you know so um if that is just totally unacceptable to you then it's going to turn into fear and fear is a destroyer totally a destroyer. Mm -hmm. You cannot live in fear all the time because it will destroy your body. It will destroy your yeah, mind. It physically can cause yes. things to happen to you. But if you can learn to, um, let that uncertainty be acceptable, which is, like I said, this is kind of what I have done. Um, you know, just, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll figure Trust. it out. Uh, one of the ladies that's doing one little word this year, her word was trust, oh. trusting herself. 
Uh-huh. I think that's her word. She may have a d- open. Her word is open. Open. But oh, what yes. I get yes. from open is she's open to possibilities as in she is trusting the universe, yes. trusting herself because she second doubts herself because she's afraid she's going to make a bad choice and then she dwells on it. Yes. Sometimes you just have to trust yourself and trust the process. Yes. Yeah, you have to be open to things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and uncertainty if you can let yourself be okay with uncertainty, then it turns into increased aliveness, alertness, and creativity. Creativity comes from that openness, that trust, that allowing uncertainty to be acceptable. The painter doesn't know how the painting is going to turn out. He may have a vague idea. But there's still some uncertainty. He's just doing his creating. And the beauty comes because he is open to just doing what feels right in the moment. And, you know, it's, it's hard to let go of that. And be okay with the uncertainty. It really is. Um, I'm not going to tell you that there aren't a few days when I go back to the fear. Oh God, what's going to happen if my husband loses a job? Because we won't have insurance anymore. I'm self-employed. Um, I don't have insurance. I have insurance through him. And we're both older. You know, he's over 60. And I'm nearly 60. And we both have medical problems. So that that's a that's uncertainty is is kind of troubling. But I've just I let it go. And anytime I start to have that uncertainty and start to worry about it, that's when I tell myself, just let it go. I can I can deal with this. I'm okay with it. Amber, do you have ever have any times where you have to like talk yourself out of being afraid of something um I mean I have social anxiety so sometimes I have to talk myself into leaving the house yeah yeah because your 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 ego is telling you like oh or this um, might happen this might happen if I go in somebody mm-hmm. that I've never called I have big social anxiety whenever I have to make important phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's exact, and that's exactly where that comes from. the The fear is from the, ang- the the anxiety and fear is from that uncertainty of not knowing exactly how the. And you know, there's a lot of people who have anxiety, or or like me, I have ADHD. If I have to make phone calls to strangers, I often rehearse that whole process over and over in my head before I get up the nerve to make the call. And, and that's where that, you know, if I could learn to be okay with the uncertainty and just wing it, um, it would be a lot, a lot easier for me to make those phone calls. But you know, that's just not always the case. Um, he also, he talked about a little bit about, um, you know, he, he had a lot of, uncertainty in his own life um because you know he was i I think it was cambridge he was a um he had a a very what he calls promising academic career um in england and he he just gave it he had an urge to give that to america right yes and he he moved um to america and became a spiritual teacher and um, he said at the time that he did that, he had no income, no home. Um, he lived on his savings. He was about to run out of his savings. And he played a lottery card and won $1,000 and it let him keep going. And, and that was when he wrote his book, The Power of Now. It, you know, that creativity came out of that uncertainty that he was in. And, and the power of now was the predecessor to um, a new earth. And so, and I have not read the power of now, 
but I'm I'm betting it's just as powerful as this book was because um, now has been the most powerful word I've dealt with in a long time, and it it kind of is a magical word because it changes everything. Yeah, I feel like. I know we had talked about like, oh, what's our word going to be next year? I've been thinking about mine since I started this word because I picked a work word this year and I've been like making myself work by using rise as my word. And I decided that next year I want to choose the word enjoy because I feel like that your word, just you having that word, I keep seeing it everywhere too. And um, I think about like the word enjoy because that is kind of like, you know, accepting now and it is for me like I don't just want to accept what's happening now I want to be able to enjoy it too for yeah. what it is yeah. and um so even the things that aren't fun like the work things because I think that's why I struggle with my word being rise because I call it a work word because I'm trying to force myself to do things that I don't, you know, air quotes, enjoy. And I would like to be able to just enjoy things for what they are instead mm-hmm. of think about them as discomfort. Right. Because, um, like, when I talk to my therapist, you know, we talk about, um, you know, like, what holds me back from doing things that I want. Mine isn't necessarily, like, fear, but she called it um, pain avoidance. And it's mm. not, like, physical pain avoidance, but just pain uh any type of discomfort so like I always end up letting like my driver's license expire or my registration on my car because I avoid going to those places we've talked about that before on the Uh podcast yeah Yeah. to to take care of those little things in business because it causes discomfort yes to have to wait in line to do those you know to do me it's not i don't even think it's waiting in line i think it's just like getting out of your schedule fear it's like i don't know you're going to like fill out these forms and it's confusing and it's aggravating (laughs) like i literally went to go get my passport a few months ago and i showed up for my appointment and they told me I was five minutes late, so I couldn't get it done. And then they were, like, super rude to me. And then I was like, this is why I don't do these things, because I literally took the day off of work because they're only, you know, it, like, see, it gets me, like, uh, riled up. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I told her, like, that's why my car registration always expires, because I'm avoiding those things. And, like, I wish to just someday be able to enjoy doing those things because I'm accomplishing something and I'm yes. taking care of something. Well, that, that goes back to um, one little word uh, and a, a prompt we had uh, back in July uh, about little wins. Yeah. And um, I was actually talking to my therapist. Uh, we actually have the same therapist. So she's <laughs> awesome. She is Just awesome. Saying. But um we were talking about the documenting little wins. And one of the things that she talked to me about was to um, do some of those little uncomfortable things so that I could write them down as a little win. And then it, it makes a motivation for me to do those uncomfortable things because there's something to in them it. off on yeah. your list. Yeah. And, and I thought that was a kind of an interesting approach to that, but, um, but, you know, we did. We talked about avoiding things or whatever and doing hard things. But um, but looking at it from that different perspective, don't look at it as something that you have to do, but look at it as something you get to do and mm-hmm. that you are choosing to do. And then you, then it's a win. It just, that just changing reframing the way you think about it it changes your attitude about it Mm -hmm. it really does um so he he actually goes in um he when he's talking about this um he's he starts uh he he talks about some people don't have a drastic change when they start to view things that way um I don't think mine was a drastic change either. I think mine was just a slow 
realization that if I could put myself in the now, right now, and and just enjoy where I'm at and enjoy what's happening right now, that my perspective would change. And But he says also that some people don't change what they're doing, but how they do it. Um, so like not due to, you're not doing it because you have to, or because you're already headed that way, or you do something because you're afraid, but you're, what you're, what they're doing is already a perfect way to bring their consciousness into the world, into the world. I thought that was an interesting thing. Um, he, he starts to talk also about something that uh, it made me think of Star Wars <laughs> because um, it, it's almost like George Lucas kind of had a, a Eckhart Tolle, uh, you know, maybe they're Frame friends. I don't know. Who you knows? know, uh, it was it was kind of interesting, but he's talking about inner alignment um, with the present moment opens your consciousness and brings it into alignment with the whole. And he's talking about the the totality of life. He What he's talking about, he says that everything in existence is interconnected. Part of the whole. And, and the reason I say that made me think of Star Wars is because they talk about the metachlorians in Star Wars are part of everything. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, people who are sensitive to the force, the force is the metachlorians or whatever, and and they can sense those in all other living beings and stuff. Because they're like connected. Because they're all connected somehow. And and he's Tolly's talking about something you know similar. I don't you know we're not talking about metachlorians actually, but you know. He, he says that everything that is in existence is interconnected. It's part of a whole. We aren't just a person on the earth. We are part of an ecosystem of our neighborhood, of our city, of our state, of our country, of this hemisphere, of the earth, of the solar system, of the Milky Way galaxy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every it's the universe. It, we, we are it. Every, everything is connected to the other. And you know, if one thing changes, it could have repercussions, butterfly effect, butterfly effect, you know, whatever. Um, he, he doesn't say that no, so but, much, yeah. but, but that, you know, that. that it really does make me think of that. Um, and he says, you know, he talks about this in the earlier chapters about when we are in our ego, every, we label things, we separate things, we divide things, we categorize things, um, and, and we use our, the limited perceptions of our senses. This smells like this. I see this. These are the black cars, these are the white cars, those are the red cars. This sounds like this. This smells like that. And, you know, everything is is separated. These kind of people, that kind of food, um, those sorts of houses, they're all, all categorized. And everything is separate. Nothing is, you know, I'm me, you're you. But when we are fully present, when we can perceive what's around us or whatever without interpreting or labeling, and we talked about this before too, mm-hmm. about labeling things, we can sense the deeper connectedness of seemingly separate things. When you are out of your ego, when you are fully present, you can look at another human being and realize all the ways in which you are connected. Um, I think travel is one of the things that does that for people. Um, when you travel the earth, you realize that we're all just humans and I am no, not that much different than the grandma in Pakistan 
who's taking care of her family. I am not that much different from the soldier in Russia who is involved in the fighting in the Ukraine. Just following orders. We are just people, and we're all connected to the earth, to each other, to the whole. We're all a part of the machine. Yes, yes. And so compulsive thinking... You know, if we're always just thinking, then we're always just cutting things up, putting reality in these little bite-sized fragments. Um, you know, we, we everything is labeled. These are the good guys. Those are the bad guys. Um, this is the future. This is the past. This is, you know, my boss. These are the people I don't like. Whatever. And, and we're labeling things and we're making like these little chunks of lifeless fragments. And he, he talks about how all of this connectedness, when you can look at things without labeling it, without thinking about it, without trying to define anything, when you just accept that everything is is then you can see that everything comes from the source and he he calls it that some people call it god Mm -hmm. um but it's he calls it the source and he defines it as the timeless intelligence that manifests as a universe unfolding in time because our our universe is in full un because our universe is unfolding in time. It's expanding. And so he's talking about the source is the whole. It is where everything comes from. And he talks about the, the whole is made up of existence and being. The manifested and the unmanifested. The world and God. And when you become aligned with that whole, you become a conscious part of the interconnectedness of the whole and its purpose. You are allowing the consciousness to emerge into the world. And when you're aligned in that way, then, oddly enough, spontaneous, helpful things happen to you. And, and we've talked about this too. When you're in that alignment, when you are um, that happier person that's in, in their right place uh, emotionally and whatever, um, then those chance encounters and coincidences and synchronicities all s- seem to just happen because you are connected. You feel that connection and you kind of will those things into being in a, in a way, because you are part of the source. You are part of the whole. And Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung um, actually called that kind of synchronicity a causal connecting principle. An a causal connecting principle. Uh, which means that there's basically no causal connection. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that caused those things to spontaneously happen more frequently. Um, they just happen. And it's an outer manifestation of that underlying intelligence. And our minds just can't understand it. We aren't evolved enough to understand how it all works Mm -hmm. but nature if you look at nature nature doesn't have to understand it Mm -mm. it just goes it just is nature is unconscious of the whole but it's still part of the whole Mm -hmm. um and and he talks about how um during the big tsunami um that happened in 2004 hardly any animals died 
there were hardly any animals that died. Um, they somehow sensed that the tsunami was coming, and they all went to higher ground, you know, if they could. But he talks about how they really didn't think about going to higher ground at all. What they really did was they just suddenly realized they're moving to higher ground because they did it unconsciously. They didn't think, oh, gosh, a tsunami is coming. I got to get up to the top of the hill. They just found themselves going to the top of the hill because they are in tuned with the whole. They just innately knew that that was what they had to do. And they followed like their instincts. Their instincts, yes. And and humans humans don't follow their instincts. We don't uh, we don't listen to our intuition. We um, listen to our ego. We listen to our ego, and our egos tell us, "Well, you got to do this. You got to do that." Blah 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 blah. And you know that's um, our ego's wrong most of the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really is. Yeah, because our ego would say, "Don't run away to the hill. You'll lose everything." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, think about the, the people who stayed in New Orleans and, and died. You know, um, there were many. Who, i got to protect my house. i got to protect my house. But that's that's from the ego. and Fear of losing. Fear of losing what they had. Yes. That's that fear of uncertainty again, too. Um, but that that's where he wrapped up Chapter 9. Um, you know, just talking about that, um, that whole... And how we are all a part of it. Hey friends, this is Cindy. As you can see, this conversation lasted a lot longer than we anticipated. At the one hour mark, we had barely covered chapter nine. And we still had chapter ten to go. So we kept the record button going, but... I decided to cut this into two different episodes. So if you'll come back tomorrow, we'll have another new episode and we will finish out chapter 10 of Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.